Axl Rose once said, because nothing lasts forever, even cold November rain. Well, it's May, it's Cleveland, and rain in Cleveland doesn't even last forever either. Uh, certainly feels like it could. <laughs> uh, this is guarding the corner. We had a couple rainouts over the past uh, couple couple days, couple even weather delays, even when they did play. Yeah, weather has been a big problem for the past week and a half for the Guardies. So, um, yeah, we've got a couple games in hand in the division because we we've played three or four less games than everybody else. Yeah, just doing a, a quick around the division uh, games played. The Guardians have played 37 games. Uh, the Twins have played 31 or 41. The mm-hmm. White Sox 41, and the Tigers and Royals 40. So. Just a little bit, but it it can mess with the standings a little bit. Yeah, it can. Um, Looking at it from a glass half full perspective, though, um, it it makes things not look as bad as they seem. You know, being, what are we, six games back right now? Yeah. Um, Yeah, when you factor in that we've played four games less than the first place team, you know, that doesn't look quite as ugly. Um, So, yeah, I, I think that that's definitely needs to be factored into it when you look at the standings. Yeah, and uh, you know, you also look at the standings. The Guardians have played the fewest home games of any team in the division as well. So, right, something... and being being a young team, you know, home games are important. Um, they're obviously going to get a bigger edge at home. So, yeah, those are uh, some things that you know give us reason to be a little bit hopeful. They do. So, before we we get into reviewing the games from the last week, real quick. Reminder to like, comment, rate five stars, subscribe, share, tell your friends and family or unless it's stealing. Uh, This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google, Podchaser, TuneIn, and ThisIsBelieveOne.com. Let's fucking go, people. We're everywhere. We are all over the map. If you can't find us, uh, I'm sorry. Hey, you're not trying hard enough. If you, yeah, you're you certainly not trying if you can't find us. Be- because it uh, takes little effort. <laughs> yeah, and, and before we jump into things, James, I do want to take a moment to uh, just apologize to our followers for not putting up a podcast recently. Um, I am now a two-time COVID survivor. Uh, I came up on the COVID IL uh, I was down for about a week, and I just could not podcast. So we apologize that we haven't been around for a week. We're going to be right back on schedule. We will be doing uh, every series, correct, James? Yes. Uh, All right. So, yeah, we'll be back on track. So make sure you like, follow, subscribe, do all the things, because we're going to be here uh, a couple times a week for the rest of the year. Yeah, definitely a couple times a week after every series before the next one barring special circumstances like what happened over the past week. And and honestly, uh, you know, my house was getting kind of reorganized, so... It was a good time. It was good timing from that aspect. Yeah, from that aspect, uh, a lot of bad weather in Cleveland. We got several rain delays and a couple games that were canceled. Um, so everything kind of lined up perfectly for us. So it's good to be back on track. It feels like, uh, you know, we're ready to move forward now and... Uh, I'm excited about the rest of the season. I am as well. I do believe uh, the best days are ahead of this franchise moving forward. But let's talk about some games that they actually did play. Okay? So let's start game one against the Reds. It's, it's hard to come away with positives in this one. Offense struggled throughout. Uh, yeah, to put it lightly, the offense struggled. Um 
They certainly did. And against a team like Cincinnati, uh, you would hope for a better performance uh, from the offense. You, you, you came into this game, you, you needed, this was a prime, honestly, get back right week for the Guardians, right? You played the yeah. Reds, you played the Tigers, they're two of the worst teams in all of baseball, right? Yep. They were scheduled for five, they only played four across the two series, but when you look at this, you, you come out in game one, you lose, it's just like, well, shit. Like, this was supposed to yeah, be... Exactly. This is supposed to be like, I don't want to say cupcake time or rack up wins time, but these are games you're supposed to win and comfortably. Yeah, this is part of that. Uh, like when you looked at the first quarter of the season, um, this is the part of the schedule that you circle and you go, okay, this is the time when you want guys, you know, if guys are injured, get them healthy. Uh, if guys are struggling at the plate, you know, they're going to face some lesser competition. You know, you want to see them get hot. Um, and we didn't really see any of that in uh, game one against the Reds. They actually came out and uh, laid an egg offensively and, and just didn't look ready for this series. Yeah, five hits in, in, in game one against Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. And that's tough. It's tough. You that's know. R- really tough. You know, they were, they were nothing. It wasn't like you were seeing them. You know, Owen Miller did hit the the two run home run in the ninth before he went to Mickey Mouse extra innings to tie right. the you know to tie the game. But they weren't really stringing a whole bunch of things together. And outside of Miller's home run, uh, I don't believe they had. Yeah, it was their only extra base hit was Miller's home run. Everything else yeah, was singles. Was, yeah, that was it. And uh, yeah, I mean the young Reds pitcher uh, Overton. I mean he looked good, but you know we made him look like Cy Young out there. Uh, and you don't you don't want to see that. Um, but yeah, we really struggled to put things together. Um, I always talk about you know scattering hits and stringing hits together. Um, he did a really nice job of not allowing the Guardians to uh, to string things together. Uh, we did have a couple guys get on base uh, via the walk, mm-hmm. and uh, a couple of those moments it was like okay, here we go. You know, offense uh, has a chance to to get ready, get back in this game, and they just did not. Um, we did respond after the Naquin homer in the third inning. Uh, Straw hit the sack fly in the bottom of the third to answer. Um, so things looked okay early. You know, it, it did look hopeful. Um, but after that, uh, that sack fly by Straw, uh, that there was not a whole lot of anything until that Miller home run in the bottom of the ninth. Yeah, I mean, Straw did have the RBI single in the eighth, but I mean, it was just like it was. <sighs> I don't know. It just it just felt like it was painful just watching this game. You're just sitting there watching like, come on, come yeah. on, come on, and nothing, and come yeah. on, and come on, and, and like Owen Miller comes through in the ninth. It's like, oh my god, are we actually gonna win? Are they gonna win this game? Right. It did start to feel like, okay, we're gonna win this thing. Um, but you know, Mickey Mouse extra innings. You really never know how things are gonna go in the tenth now. Um, but yeah, I mean, some good things from this game. You know, like I said, they. They responded in the third, and then, you know, they responded again in the bottom of the ninth, um, but couldn't come away with the victory. And when you're going up against a team like the Reds, who going into this game only had nine wins, uh, you hope for better, and we just didn't see it. Um, like I said, you know, we'd get on base and, and look like we're getting ready to get things going, and painful is a good word to describe it. It was just like everybody was just struggling to put the ball in play and, and mm-hmm. find holes. And, and, you know, Mickey Mouse extra innings aside, Nick Sandlin was terrible. 
Yeah, he was really bad. Uh, one inning pitch, three walks. Uh, he did have the two Ks, but eh. Um, yeah, really, really bad. Uh, he, you would have liked to have seen better from him uh, coming into this game. He walked in the, the winning run. I mean, that just sucks. Let's be honest here. Walking in the the winning run. It's one of the worst ways to lose. Um, it, it's Because that's something that's totally within your control, you know? And, and when you get outside the zone and you walk in the winning run, it's just like, it's a brutal way to lose. Um, but it, it was a appropriate way to lose uh, for this game just because it was just one of those games for the Guardians that just they did not look good at the plate. Yeah, it's it's tough. This game was just I mean they had it they had a chance to win in the bottom of the tent. Yeah. You know, they had Stephen Kwan and Miles Straw on base. Um Palacios was on third. And Jose struck out in four pitches. With the bases yeah. loaded, so yeah. I mean, we got what we wanted there, you know. But what, who, who else would you want at the plate in that scenario? Um, but yeah, just couldn't execute. So the this, this was one of those ugly early season games that uh, you really like to forget about because there was just bad performances all around uh, across the board on this game. Yeah, not good, not good at all. Um, no, and they did have the one error too. Um, so you never want to see that. Um, mm -hmm. so yeah, defensively, not great. Offensively, not great. Um, to everybody saying, well, they did score four runs. Uh, yeah, but eh, you know, not, not exactly four quality runs. Um, never really seemed like they were a threat to win this game, uh, until that Owen Miller home run in the bottom of the ninth. Mm -hmm. Uh, they, they never really felt like they were in a position to win. Yeah. And to, to build off your point, not all runs are created equally. Mm -hmm. Um, not all runs have the same impact. Not all runs are you know come across to score uh, and mean the same thing. So I mean, sure they did score four runs, but you know Owen Miller was the, was the only reason they got the four really. But, yeah, yeah. If it wasn't for Owen Miller continuing, you know, to be outstanding for us, uh, you know, we wouldn't have had much to show for this one at all. No, not at all. Um, Nice little bounce back for us for, for Zach Plesak, though. It you was. Know, you know, he, he's had he's had a rough go of it for a while. Yeah, he has had a, a rough go of things for a while. And he really did enough to put this team in a position to win. Um, he only gave up the two earned runs. Uh, and then he only had the two walks as well. Um, so, yeah, it, it was nice to see him get out there and, and throw 95 pitches and go six innings. Um, uh, bounce back game is a really good way to describe it, but um, I, I liked what I saw from Zach Plesac in this game. Um, unfortunately, you know, can't say much about anybody else other than him and Owen Miller. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, Plesac allowed fewer than four runs for the first time in almost a month, uh, yeah. so that's good. Uh, this is also, unfortunately, the fourth consecutive game which he's allowed a home run. Right. So I, I, there are signs that things are are turning back towards his favor, but I mean, I, I think he's going to be what he is. I don't yeah. think, I don't think he's going to be what we thought he was in 2020. Um, but I, I think he's going to settle into a nice three, four pitcher. And yeah, that's, I think that's so fine. Too. Yeah. I think that's fine as well. But with a guy like Plesak, these are the kind of games that like as a team, you have to win for him, you know, cause you're not going to mm -hmm. get him. You're not going to get him every start. Yeah. And 
and just one more thing. It's the fucking Reds. Like, you need to yeah. kick their heads in. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, like, we're, we've kind of danced around it the whole time, but the Reds fucking stink. Like, we, we should have buried, buried this team. And, and, you know, when Plesak goes out there and, and his stuff is, you know, good enough to get the job done, um, it, it's a bummer. I felt I felt bad for him because this really was a nice bounce-back game for him, and, and I felt like he did deserve the win. But, yeah, I mean, that's baseball, so... Yeah, that's baseball is the way to describe it. Yeah, uh. <laughs> yeah, brutal for Zach, but it, it was a nice game from him. Um, very encouraged by what I saw from Plesac, uh in this game. And so let's let's move on to game two uh, and to carry off from our ending points from that one. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, what the actual fuck. Oh. Uh, everything we said about the offense in game one. Uh, you can basically repeat repeat it for game two and then some. Yeah, uh, only three hits in this one. Yeah, not good at all. Um, only three hits. Uh, there was the, what was it, the sacrifice fly by Reyes in the mm-hmm. second that got us out to the 1-0 lead, uh, but that only lasted until the fifth inning when Naquin homered again. Uh, oh. Tyler I mean, this guy had a huge power weekend against us, uh, which is a little frustrating to say the least, uh, being that he was a guy that, you know, used to patrol the outfield here at Progressive Field. Uh, he he is familiar with the uh, with the stadium. He is more than comfortable with hitting. Yeah. With yeah, hitting definitely. at uh, Progressive Field. We made him look like an absolute all-star this series. And, and meanwhile, uh, we got another good... Bounce back pitcher performance from Cal Contrell. Yeah, really good stuff from Cal. Yeah, uh, only one run allowed over seven innings. One run. One run in seven innings. He had five strikeouts. And another good thing on this uh, stat line, no walks. Uh, so he really controlled the stuff throughout the game. Um, he didn't give up hits and trunks. He had the five hits. He did a nice job scattering those. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then 95 pitches and 69 strikes. So... Yeah, you'd like to see all of those numbers. Uh, you forget about the one home run and move on. And uh, Again, for a guy like a Polisak or a Quantrill, these are games that you really want to win um, because it, these are the type of games that can you really ask for more out of either one of those guys? You know, like yeah, they, this is kind of who they are. Mm-hmm. Um, they they pitched pretty pretty much to their ability level, both of them, and neither one of them got the result. Yeah, uh, you know, Quantrill came in having allowing uh, four and three runs in his previous two starts. Uh, he had that mm-hmm. ugly five-walk game against the Padres that they somehow managed to win uh, inexplicably. Yeah. But uh, looking at, at this outing, this is the second straight game where he didn't walk a batter. Mm-hmm. Um, which uh, the previous game was the first time he didn't walk a batter all season. But, right. you know, no walks in the previous two games. He has eight strikeouts with the previous two games, so... That's good moving forward, but, you know, Cal Quantrill did everything you could ask from him. Uh, and then, yeah. then again, it was another one of the bullpen guys uh, letting the floodgates open. Trevor Steffen, oof. Yeah, the absolute collapse when he came in. This looked a lot like uh, the performance that we got the game before uh, from Sandlin. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, felt, <laughs> it felt very similar. Um, but, yeah, really bad outing from him, and he only made it two-thirds innings, and he got tagged with the loss, uh, and rightfully so, because he really made a mess of the uh, eighth inning. Yeah, so so quick question. 
because this is an interesting, I guess, quirk in his uh, his box score uh, pitching line, right? So you look, mm-hmm. he's got two-thirds of an inning pitch. He allowed three hits. Three runs came across, but two were earned, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You look and see how one of those runs scored. It was because of a throwing error by Stefan. So he has an error that allowed a run to score, but he doesn't get ah. charged with the run. I think he should get charged with the run because the error that was from him caused the score, yeah. the run to score. I think that should count against him. Just Absolutely. me. No, I, I 100% agree with you. If you're the guy that's tagged with the error, like, yeah, you earned that run. I agree. Um, that's just one of those funky baseball scoring loopholes that uh, he managed to get away with that one. Uh, but I agree 100%. All three of those runs were earned. Yeah, they were. Not honestly. But, you know, just yeah. like error, it doesn't count. Like, oh, fuck off. It totally counts. <laughs> yeah, but you got to field your position, you know, against a team like the Reds. It's like, it, it, it's so frustrating. Like, these are just mental lapses. You know, these are mm-hmm. things that, like, you you got to be more focused going into the series. And I, I really think that this was just a, a matter of the Guardians – like we talked about, they had this circled on their schedule going, okay, you know, we've got the Reds coming and then, you know, we've got the Tigers and just not really preparing themselves properly to go out and win the games and just kind of assumed that these games would be easy. And they, they haven't been easy. They've been, they've been quite, uh, quite difficult as we've seen because they, they can barely uh, score runs, much less hit. Yeah. Even Jose, you know, struggled throughout the series and, uh, yeah, you you just got to do more offensively. Like when you you hold the team to one earned run and go seven innings pitch, like that that has to be a W against the Reds. You know, it's just uh, an indictment on this offense and just totally anemic for both games against the Reds. Uh, it, this was just bad, bad, bad game all around, bad series mm-hmm. all around. Uh, it, yeah, I mean, there's not many good things you could take away from uh, that series with the Reds. None at all. Uh, the only th- good takeaways we have is uh, they have still retained ownership of the Ohio Cup. Yeah, uh, yeah. Right side. Uh, we don't have to play the Reds again this season. Which is nice. I, I mean, it doesn't really uh, matter as much as it used to in previous years because of the University H. But, right. uh, you know, playing an unfamiliar opponent like a National League opponent when you're an American League team could trip you up sometimes. Yeah, and that you know that has something to do with it too. It's not a familiar opponent. You know, you go, you got guys in your lineup that have never seen a lot of the pitchers that they go up against, mm-hmm. and uh, you know that definitely has something to do with it. So, you know, if Cincinnati was a divisional opponent and they were as bad as they were uh, headed into the series, you know, we we might have done a little bit differently. But you know, who knows? Yeah. So, but I, I think it's best we we put that series behind us. Because I don't want to revisit it anymore. <laughs> uh, I'm with you. Let's put that one behind us. Uh, I think the Guardians would like to put that series behind them as well. Um, yeah, we not good. Not good. Not good. Uh, I really was clamoring to find positives uh, to take away from this series because even when we lose or get swept in a series, like there's usually some things you could take away from it, you know? And for me, the only thing I could find in that red series was just that like a couple times we answered back, you know, when they would score a run, we'd answer back, but just not enough ammo, you know, at the end of the day, it wasn't enough to get the job done. So. Yeah. And one final note in that final game against the reds, uh, Jose did leave the second game against Cincinnati after fouling a ball off his shin. 
Ah, yes, that that was important to note because um, at, at the time that was a scary moment. I don't know about you, but uh, the season flashed before my eyes. The uh, possibility of Jose Ramirez not uh, having a presence in that three spot in our order. The first thing I thought of, I think it was uh, 2018, maybe, when him and Lindor both were injured to start the year. Oh, God, was, I don't Was that to... the year? Was it 2018 or 2019? It was one of the two, but I, I remember exactly what you're talking about. It was just, like, such a hopeless feeling. Like, Lindor got hurt in spring training, then Jose fouled the ball off his shin, mm-hmm. just like that. I'm like, oh, no. That's the then. first thing I thought of was just, oh no. Yeah, it was 2019. Yeah. Uh, Lindor didn't make his uh, season debut until uh, April 20th. Yeah. That not year. Good. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's this, did this not seem to wake something up in Jose? Because he, he came right back, and, you know, not to get ahead of ourselves, but he looked pretty good in that uh, next game. Uh, yeah, uh, for as much trouble as Jose had against the Reds, he seemed to be a lot more comfortable facing a familiar opponent in Detroit. As uh, first game, he goes two for four with a three-run homer and a triple. So Yeah, massive. Absolutely massive. And I apologize for the ding. Do not disturb his on. There we go. Um, (laughs) No, this was a huge bounce-back game for Jose. uh, Because... when you take a ball off the shin like that and you get removed from the game, it's like you you never know what to expect from a guy going into that game. You know, is he going to be 100%? And he answered that question right away in this series. Um, I mean, he had a really great game, hitting the ball, tremendous. Um, so it was nice to see him bounce back. And, you know, that's what you expect from a guy like Jose. Like, is he going to struggle? Yes, it's baseball. Everybody's going to struggle through points of the season. But this is what you want to see. And, you know, of course, Jose coming through. Uh, when you need them, it's that's a storyline that we're kind of used to here. Yeah, uh, Jose uh, and uh, Ahmed Rosario are the only two guys to have. Uh, I'm sorry, and Miles Straw had multiple hits as well. So uh, mm-hmm. those three had multiple hits at the top of the order. That's what you like to see. Uh, Rosario drove in a, a couple runs in this game too. Yeah, really nice to see from Rosario. Um, if we can get him hot, that would be really helpful. Um, you know, with Quan not being in every game in the order, uh, it's nice to have like Rosario and Quan. You, you kind of want to see them interchangeable, and it, they have if they can maintain a similar approach at the plate, and Rosario can produce. Um, you know, they they can offer a lot of offense in that two spot. Yeah, I, I thought it was funny when the uh, lineup came out and uh, Ahmed Rosario was hitting in the two spot in the order and playing shortstop. Everybody was just bitching on Twitter. Yeah. That was the, the, the constant theme is we don't want Ahmed Rosario at shortstop right. and he shouldn't be hitting second. And it's just like, well, shit, look at this lineup, first of all. They're facing a lefty. It's an offense that's, you know, scuffling. You, you need right. something to, to try and get the guys going. You know, short of Joe Matt firing the boys up and doing whatever the hell he did a month ago. Um <laughs> Yeah, You know, I don't know what you wanted to do here. This is a, a lineup that's struggling to hit across the board. Just give them a whole bunch of righties in the lineup and hopefully something clicks. Yeah, I mean, a lot of complaints about him being in the two spot there. And, I mean, just look what happened. <laughs> I mean, he did exactly what they wanted him to do in that spot. And you, you got to remember there's more that goes into, you know, designing a lineup for a game than just what the stat line is for that particular player. Mm-hmm. And, and and that's why I mentioned Stephen Kwan, because, you know, Kwan, Rosario, do they play the same position? No, 
but similar type players that they're going to be guys that are, you know, they're not going to start every game for us. Um, and they're guys that aren't going to hit for power. You know, you want to see a more steady contact. And uh, I think that's why they stuck him there. It was like, okay, go do what Steven does for us. And uh, I think that that approach is what he carried into this game. And uh, it paid off. He had the two huge RBIs. And, you know, there, there were three, I guess, non-regulars uh, in, in this lineup as well. Oscar Mercado, yeah. Yu Chang, Ernie Clement. I, I, I think Mercado. You gotta stick them down there. Yeah, I think those three. I think Mercado counts as a, as a non regular, even though he's probably playing more than he probably should. Yeah. But uh, I would say he's a non regular. I would say non regular as well. That's the other reason he's up there in the two spot too. Like, who are you gonna put up there? You gonna put Clement, like Ernie Clement or Chang? No. Um. So yeah, that it made sense and it paid off. You know. So anybody who doubts. Uh, Tito and him, how he constructs a lineup. Um, I think you can learn a lot from this game because he kind of proved the doubters wrong by putting them there. Yeah, I mean, and you look at the, I guess, the strategy they were going with. I mean, sure, they didn't have a whole bunch of success against uh, Tariq Skubal, but um, mm-hmm. you look at you know what they're able to do as the game went on. I mean, they scored six runs in, in two and a third innings. So, I mean, something yeah, clicked, something number one. Clicked. And, For sure. And number two, you look at how they were approaching this with with Josh Naylor coming off the COVID list. They didn't want to throw him back into the fire against the lefty. Yeah, exactly. So they wanted to. I mean, not that he needs easing in, obviously, because you know Josh Naylor's you know amazing, right. and the dude's just the dude's an electric factory. Okay. Yes. Absolutely. Um, so you look at you know the way they're trying to handle Naylor's situation, bringing him back into the lineup. Going against the lefty, it was just—it was not going to happen. Like I, I don't care. I don't know. I don't know what his splits are off the top of my head. I don't care what they are. When yeah. you're when you're off for a week, ten days, not having to you know try and read it with the the same uh, side arm action coming at you, not having yeah. to do that is preferred. Absolutely. Uh, you always want to ease a guy back in uh, anytime they're coming back into a lineup. And you always want to do it in a way that's comfortable for them. And, and you know, the matchup issue uh, is obviously there for Naylor. And like you said, the, it, the, the, the slash lines don't really matter against righties and lefties, what have you. It's just it, where is Naylor most comfortable? And we knew that bringing him in uh, this particular game isn't putting him in the best position to succeed. Uh, so that's what they decided to do, and uh, it paid off. And, and it worked. It worked to perfection. I mean, Rosario did exactly what you would want him to do there. And so, you know, I'm not going to complain too much about that, even though everyone tried to, you know, complain as much as they possibly could. But, you know, the offense came alive, 10 hits, you know, compared to three just for Detroit. They scored six runs, and they got a, a another pretty good outing out of a, their pitcher, Aaron Savale. Yeah, we got three really good starts in a row. Um, it was nice to finally get a win uh, <laughs> for the starting pitcher because, you know, the the previous two starts were good starts as well, uh, and the offense just did not show up for them. Um, but, yeah, really nice to see Savali get the win. Uh, 95 pitches again. I don't know if you noticed this theme. All three of those guys went exactly 95 pitches before being pulled, uh, uh, which is interesting. I didn't, but uh, it is interesting. It is very interesting. Yeah. Obviously, there's a little bit of strategy there. They're trying to get these guys out before 100 pitches. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that's why when you bring a guy like Stefan in and they have a 
you know, they lay an egg like he did, or uh, you bring a guy in who was the game before, was it uh, Sandlin? Like when when you bring a guy in like that, you know, you that's why they got to come in and deliver, you know. And when they come in and shit the bed like that, it's like ugh, you know. Savali went out there and pitched so good all day, you you know you you don't want to bring a guy in and then just destroy a good outing like that. And that's kind of what happened in the previous two starts. And you know, you, you look at his stat line for this game, his longest outing of the season, six and a third. Mm-hmm. You know, his previous longest was five and two thirds. So two thirds and any more. Uh, what really stands out to me is the ground ball to fly ball ratio here. Because I'll be blunt, it's not nice, I'll be blunt, but Savale <laughs> has been shit this year, okay? Yeah, and, not good at all. And, and you look at his ground ball to fly ball ratio, and it's all favored fly balls in every one of his starts except for the last one. And granted, I know there's the dead ball thing and the ball's not flying farther. I don't care. Apparently, that doesn't apply to him. Okay. Right. He got 10 ground ball outs compared to six. That's the most ground ball outs he's had in a game this year, twice as much as any other start. And that's the fewest amount of fly balls he's allowed in any game. Huge. Yeah, it says a lot about his performance because uh, that's been a problem for him. He, he is a guy that needs to keep the ball low. He needs to get the, get guys to ground out. So, yeah, having having 10 ground ball outs, uh, really, really important for Savali. Hopefully that's a sign of things to come. You know, maybe that's a, a, a pitching change that, you know, they may, may have been working on behind closed doors. Um, but so, he definitely looked like a different pitcher in this outing. Um, but if we could get more of that from him, you know, that kind of ratio, 10, 10 ground outs to six fly outs, I think he's going to be a lot more successful for us. Yeah, and that's 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 what you need. You need Savali to, to you know, buck the trend that he's been on, and that trend's not been good at all this no. year. So if, if you can get him to to get more of those ground ball outs, I mean, like, listen, we, we don't need him to strike out every guy because that's not what he is, okay? Right. If he can be... I don't know. Like Josh Tomlin at his best, but not sure. give, not not the ball in the air. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I, I agree with you. This is a guy that you're you're not expecting Cy Young performances from. You know, he is who he is, and I think Savali is at his best when when he knows that like, hey, I, I'm gonna let guys put it in play. Uh, it, it's a matter of me, you know, having them put it where I want it rather than putting them, you know, putting it in gaps and whatnot. Um, but yeah, he did a really nice job of commanding his stuff, keeping it low in the zone. Uh, when he missed, he missed low, and that's what you know kept the ball out of the air, which is good good to see because, like you said, his previous few starts, it was just like guys were just slugging the shit out of him. Mm-hmm. So you know he made guys basically you know hit the ball into the ground. Yeah, that's exactly what you need to do when you're struggling. Put have guys put the ball in play, let your defense pick you up. Uh, and the defense did this game, so. And, and that's that's very important to note, um, because it, you know you look at the the next game, the the defense was not uh, great. <laughs> yeah, you could put it to put it lightly. Not great. <laughs> so let's talk about about the second and final game after a rainout and a weather delay. On mm-hmm. Sunday, because apparently the weather wanted to, us to wait as long as possible in between games between the Tigers and Guardians on Sunday. <laughs> yeah, it really did. Uh, oh, real quick before we move on, though, 
Quasi slammed the door on this one in a non-save situation, and that looked really good. I did want to point that out real quick before we move forward. He had 13 pitches and 12 were for strikes. I love to see that. I, I love yeah. I love seeing that, honestly. Yeah, yeah. It was just I, I really wanted to highlight that performance because I, I was just like so thrilled to see him pitch that well uh, in a situation that we brought up several times on this show uh, that closers typically do not do well in. So that was a good thing to see from him. Uh, just wanted to mention that before we move on. And, you know, you're right. So let's, uh, you know, Class A itching well, period. Good to see him pitching well in a non-save situation. Also good to see because they typically don't. Yeah, it's and it's not a Class A specific issue. Uh, that's just kind of a league-wide thing. Like, closers are built for certain situations. And when you put them out there in a different situation, sometimes their stuff can be off. But his stuff was not off at all. Uh, I mean, he he just was lights out, so he looked phenomenal. He did, and you know that's that should should help the team moving forward. What's not going to help the team moving forward is bad defense. Correct, which is a very good way to segue into this next one. We had some bad defense. Um, Josh Naylor had a fielding error in the fifth, mm-hmm. which broke a two-two tie, which he made happen. The previous half inning. Uh, yeah, with the home run. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a uncharacteristic mistake by Naylor. Mm-hmm. Um, it, this is one of those things that we mentioned. He's coming back off of the COVID IL. Like, that's something you're gonna see from guys when you insert them back into a lineup, and that's part of the reason why you don't want to rush guys along. Uh, and, and I think that that had something to do with it. Just the fact that he's not been playing regularly. Uh, he wasn't as sharp in the field as he needed to be. Um, he made up for it at the plate, luckily, and, and Naylor's really great for that. You know, when he does make defensive mistakes, he's really good at picking him. You know, picking the team up on offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't think that this is like. It's not a cause for alarm. I don't think Naylor is going to be having issues in the field regularly. I think this was more of him just kind of getting back on the field for the first time and shaking off the cobwebs, if you will. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's what I ultimately think. You know, I, you know, you look at you know what happened, and just like okay, this is just kind of the the ups and downs of coming returning to play. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it's just unfortunate that in this instance, it was enough to be the difference. You know what I mean? And and that that's what makes it a little bit tougher of a pill to swallow. Um, but yeah, I mean that's that's baseball. You know, it's a a game of things can go so quickly one way you know what i mean mm-hmm. it's just uh it, it's wild so yeah it's it not typical stuff from Naylor in the field but like i said no cause to be alarmed in my opinion yep uh Naylor did go one for two with the home run he did walk in the game as well so yeah and that one walk too he was oh two in that count mm-hmm. and he a- fought and fought and fought and got that walk that was a really 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 nice at bat uh, so yeah, he had the one hit and then the, the walk was a really good at bat too. You know, sometimes a walk on the stat sheet doesn't tell the whole story. Um, his walk in that instance was really good at bat from him. So like I said, he, he picked up the offense and, uh, you know, he did his part to, to make up for the error in the field, but unfortunately it just wasn't enough. That's all that it took to be the difference in this game. Yeah. Uh, that, <clears throat> that was a huge factor in the difference. Uh, also, uh, getting hits off of bullpen arms. 
Uh, yeah. The, the Guardians did not have a single hit off of Andrew Chafin, Alex Lang, or Gregory Soto. Meanwhile, Brian Shaw did allow a, a hit, and it was a solo home run to Javi Baez. Yeah, three and two-thirds inning of no-hit baseball by the Detroit Tigers bullpen, um, which is kind of bass-ackwards from how it was in the, the previous three games. You know, we were used to seeing the guys not hit the starter, and then, you know, we got some offensive production late against the bullpen guys. Uh, this was backwards. We, you know, we got to uh, to the starter early, and then the bullpen came in, and we're just lights out. Um, yeah, like the, the Baez homer in the top of the eighth, that was really just the – the icing on the cake and then uh, the bullpen arms did a really nice job for Detroit of shutting down the guardians um, because we're a team that's really good at scoring runs after the seventh inning. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was something that like, okay, we could still claw back in this game. Um, but, but we didn't, um, they looked really, really good. And the bats did not look so great towards the end of that game. No, <laughs> they did not look uh, good. Great. Any positive uh, description yeah. you can just insert there. They did not look that non-existent is one way to put it. Um, but yeah, only three hits from the bottom five batters in the order. Um, so yeah, no production from the bottom of the lineup. Uh, Miles Straw was hitless <clears throat> at the top of the lineup. That certainly didn't help. Uh, and then Jose Ramirez, he he drew two walks, but uh, was zero for two at the plate. Teams so, would rather walk Jose Ramirez than have him, you know, hit one into the seats or into the gap. Yeah, and that's just good management on the Tigers, you know, end of things. Like if you get behind on a count to Jose, just let him walk, you know, like that. It's it's a really good strategy against a guy like Ramirez. And when their bullpen arms were pitching as lights out as they were, uh, you know, it gives them a little more confidence of just saying, okay, let him take his base. And I think that kind of factored into both of his walks. It was just like, okay, let's not let Jose beat us. And, uh, yeah, that ended up being a good enough strategy for them to get the win. Yeah, because you, as, as a manager and as an opposing team, you'd rather pitch to Owen Miller and Josh Naylor compared to, you know, Jose Ramirez. You know, I, I love both of those players. I love what they bring to the team. But if I was the manager, I'd be like, yeah, don't give Jose anything to hit. Uh, pitch to the other two guys. Oh, 100%. And, and even though Miller and Naylor are really hot right now, you still, I mean, you got to pitch to those guys over Jose. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jose <laughs> Jose's a guy that's been in the top five MVP conversation for the past five years in a row. Like, these guys aren't that yet. Uh, and until they are, you know, you're always going to give, you're always going to choose to pick your battles against one of them over Jose. Mm-hmm. And can we talk about uh you know something we were texting about in this and <laughs> towards this uh, end of this game here uh, guarding into double plays. Oh yeah, three of them. Bugaboo. Yeah, three of them in this game. Uh, several in the game before too. Mm-hmm. Um, the, this has become a theme for the Guardians grounding into double plays. Um, yeah, I, I think that part of it is. Guys like uh, Hedges that can't execute a bunt. Um, you know what I mean? Like, we're not, we're, as a team going into this season that I thought was going to play a lot of small ball, we're not really good at playing small ball on the base paths at this point of the season, anyway. Mm-hmm. Like, we're, we're not stealing base as well. We're not uh, moving runners over with, you know, hit and runs and, and things like that. Like, we just aren't. Um, so, yeah, that's something that you would hope to see uh, some improvement on going forward. Um, and I, I think that that's part of the reason that we saw things go the way that it did. 
I mean, it, we're asking Hedges, who can barely handle a bat to begin with, to execute a, a bunt here. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I mean, the guy is absolutely pathetic at the plate. Um, they've had him try to lay a couple bunts down, and, and it just neither one of them was even close. Um, but yeah, I think that has a lot to do with it. Like in those situations, like where you're really struggling for offense, like just to get a guy over is huge. And, uh, the reason we grounded into so many of these double plays is because they don't trust those guys that did it to put the bunt down mm-hmm. or to try to take the ball the other way and, and do a hit and run. Um, so yeah, I think that that's part of the, uh, that's like the symptom of a larger problem. That's where these ground balls are coming from. Uh, these double plays are happening because we're not playing small ball well. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, ultimately a lot of it comes down to just the complete black hole of the catcher position, which we've discussed yeah. fairly often here. Um, that's just mm-hmm. what it is. The, the catcher position, if you get any sort of offense from anybody, would cover up a lot of, a lot of uh, obvious issues with this lineup. 100%. Uh, I mean... What the catching position is on this team right now is essentially a pitcher in the National League last year. <laughs> like That's who we have at the bottom of our order. It's like, okay, we've got a guy that we're going to throw out there, and he's probably going to go over 4 or over 5. And we know that every game. Mm-hmm. And that's, ter- that's not good at all. Um, so any production from the catcher position would be uh, a huge improvement for this team. So, you know, Part of the reason I think Hedges is in the lineup is, is supposed to be because of his, his defensive skills. Ah, uh, uh, yeah. <clears throat> I do not believe uh, Austin Hedges has uh, done a very good job of controlling the running game. No, not at all. Um, not at all. <clears throat> he hasn't been as sharp throwing guys out at second. Um, I, I know that his numbers aren't aren't great. Um. Even his framing has been a bit off. You know, we, we've seen some guys not getting calls at the edge of the zone and, and some lazy framework and just things that are atypical from him in the field. And I think that it's like his his poor performances at the plate, he's bringing them with him onto the field defensively. Um, and that's not good. And for a guy like Hedges, if you're not going to hit, you've got to be real sharp. Like you have got to be a guy that – that just guns guys out at second. Nobody wants to run on. You've got to be good at holding guys on over at first base. And, you know, he hasn't really been particularly good at any of those things this year. Yeah, so uh, I'm looking at uh, some numbers put out there from <clears throat> the uh, a Twitter account called Our CLE Guardians. It's a fan account, whatever. But mm-hmm. they, they put out Hedges' numbers in the stolen base department, right? Mm-hmm. He's thrown out only 5 of 24 would-be base stealers. That's terrible. He's allowed uh, 19 steals, which leads the American League. Ugh, yeah. His, his caught-stealing percentage is 21%, which is below his career mark of 31%. And the 2022 league average is 25%. So, Well yeah. below the league average, well below his career highs. Like, yeah, he's, he's just not... He's not the, the defender we need him to be to, to excuse him being so anemic at the plate. Like, if you're going to be a guy that isn't even going to dance around 200 batting average, like, you have got to be extra sharp defensively, and he's just not right now. So he, he's got to tighten things up behind the plate if, if he wants to stay in this, this lineup because it, it's just to the point where 
how long can you justify a major league catcher batting 170 in your lineup? You know what I mean? It's just mm-hmm. like, at what point do you give somebody else a chance? They're going to have to. Uh, it's going to be whoever can throw out a, a, a base dealer first is what it's going to end up being. Yeah, because if, if, even if you bring in a guy that just throws out 5 10% higher rate than Hedges, and, and he goes over at the plate, like that's an improvement. It is. I mean, even when like Roberto Perez and Jan Gomes are at their absolute lowest uh, at the plate, you could still mm-hmm. count on them uh, for their framing ability and their ability to control the base paths. Absolutely. And, and, and Hedges isn't doing either right now. No, not not at all. Um, earlier in the year, it, it was like, is this a pitching thing? Is it like, are our guys not holding runners on? But that's obviously not the case. Like we've seen enough games now that like we know this isn't. It's not on the pitchers. Like, right. This this is a hedges issue. Nobody's afraid to throw to to run on hedges. Yeah, and that's bad because at one point in time, you know, he's respected as one of the better defensive catchers in the American League. And you know, it's like. He's the complete polar opposite of what Pudge Rodriguez used to be behind the plate. Because you would never, ever dare to run on Pudge Rodriguez. No. Because he'd throw you out every time. Every this is time. the complete polar opposite. Yeah, this is like... Hedges is the kind of guy that you start thinking about... The guys that are like 5'10 stolen base guys, you start thinking about sending them. You know what I mean? Like... It's not just the the leadoff hitter that's stealing bases against you, and then you get guys that are like the four, five, six hitter stolen, you know, stealing bases against you, and that's when it really becomes a problem. Um, and some of the guys that have ran on Hedgy, I'm like, oh wow, like the, the, these aren't lightning quick, you know, players that are that are having success against them. These are just like your average players in people's lineups. Yeah, and I have to check to see if we play one particular opponent this year, because if we do. I'm going to uh, I'm going to put out uh, something. Uh, we do not. I was going to say if we played the Cardinals this year, I was going to say that Albert Pujols will attempt and steal a base against Austin Hedges. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I'm getting at. It's like these are the type of stolen bases that we're seeing against us. Like just guys that you're like, really? I like I don't remember him running ever, uh, and they're running and stealing bases, you know, pretty easily. He did have. I will say this: He did have the snap throw over to first base. He caught a guy sleeping, um, but that—that's the one good play that I can remember him making uh, of any of the the games that we've discussed so far. Yeah, uh, Pujols did steal a base against the Mets a week ago. Uh, he did one of those uh, really late steals. That's so great. I love it. But uh, let's let's touch on the one positive thing from this game. Uh, then we'll then we'll move to, into looking forward here. Uh, Shane Bieber appears to be back on track after that disastrous performance against the Blue Jays. Uh, yeah, really, really bad performance against the Blue Jays. Uh, Ten strikeouts this game. Uh, you know, he made it seven innings, 106 pitches, so a full um, quality start from Shane Bieber. Uh, really good to see that um, because, yeah, like you said, he did not look like Shane uh, in the past couple outings, so good to see him bounce back as well. Yeah, uh, only two runs allowed, struck out ten. This is what you, this is what you need. Yeah, and the two runs were early, and then he got himself back on track. So and then there was uh, the that, error, and yeah, we all know that. Yeah, yeah, we saw how <laughs> that went. Um, but yeah, it, that that was a really really good outing from Bieber. Um, another 
another game where the starter, you know, did plenty enough to put us in a position to win, but uh, the offense just couldn't couldn't get us over the hump. Yeah, so ended up going one and three on that four game homestand. Not great. Not great. Um, considering that it's the Reds and the Tigers, two of the bottom feeders of the league. And now the Guardians are about to go on the road and play a team that is not a bottom feeder, a team that has one of the better records in baseball, the Houston Astros. Uh, yeah, and they are exactly what we are not offensively. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be some, some really difficult outings uh, for our starting pitchers. Because uh, these guys can rake. I mean, they're they're, they're good. They're they're a legit team. Okay. Yeah. E- even with all the stuff from a couple years ago, whatever. I'm like the only guy on the team still from that shit is like El Tuve. Okay. Yeah. It, it, oh, Guriel too. But whatever, doesn't matter. Like it's a different team. It, yeah, they've moved past that. Like the, these guys are legit. Like I, I fully anticipate them being uh, a team that contends for the AL championship. They're that good. I mean, you look yeah. at you look at what matters here. They're they're twelve and five at home. They have a hundred and eighty runs scored, one hundred and thirty three allowed. That's a plus forty seven run differential. Then you look at yeah. the Guardians. They are nine and twelve on the road. One hundred and seventy one runs scored, one sixty six a differential of just plus five. Ah. Uh, over the last ten, Astros six and four, Guardians four and six. Although worth noting, the Guardians last ten takes. Place over a longer period of time than the Astros does. Yeah, it's probably been a month that it took us to play those ten games. At least close to it. But uh, let's let's get into game one here. It's Zach Blasak versus Luis Garcia. Now, have you watched Luis Garcia pitch before? Uh, I have I've seen him pitch a couple times. Are you familiar with his uh, pace? <laughs> yeah. Why don't you uh, talk a little bit about that for us here? All right, so uh, if you plan on watching uh, all of this game this evening, or at least the part where Garcia is uh, pitching, I suggest getting an energy drink or uh, some late-night coffee, because this dude takes forever. <laughs> yeah, he, he moves at a snail's pace. To put it lightly, um, everything that they're trying to make baseball uh, a game that goes quicker, uh, he's a guy that really, really slows down the pace of play. So, yeah, coffee is uh, definitely recommended because he is like a sedative on the mound. I, I mean, he's just, he takes such a long time. Yeah, I mean, for, for my golf fans that just watch the PGA, he's like the uh, Sergio Garcia of pitchers. He, <laughs> he just has so, so many things that he does before uh, his delivery takes place. And it just moves so slow, you just want to scream at the television. Yeah, so... Get yourself comfortable. Uh, if you're going to have yourself a beverage, uh, maybe grab two at a time so you don't have to get up because the innings are going to take forever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you yeah can... he's, a big, he's a big boy, too. Like, he looks big up there. Uh, six foot one, 244 pounds. Like, he's a tank. Yeah. So he's, he's going to take a while. Uh, as far as previous matchups here, not a whole hell of a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ernie Clements, one for two. But okay. uh, Hedges 0 for 2, Ray, uh, Reyes 0 for 2, Rosario 0 for 3. Uh, it does not appear that uh, anyone has faced Mr. Garcia before. We must have played uh, the Astros when uh, Jose was hurt or something. Or it he, must have been. Or, or when 
it was an off day for Jose, and they played Houston. Because the fact that there's only four guys that have faced this guy before. Yeah, it's kind of a head-scratcher, isn't it? Just a little bit. Uh, yeah, he is young. He's only 25 years old, so hasn't been in the league all that long. But, yeah, long enough that you would expect us to have more appearances against them. Well, he's just another couple guys going, you know, one for two, oh for two, something like that, but, you know. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that makes all the difference, because when, you, when you've when you never seen a guy, you know, it kind of takes you one time through the order before guys really feel him out. Um, so that's one thing to look for in this game, like, you know, our first time through the order, what, what do the bats do? Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's not a whole heck of a lot of production our first time through the order against them. I wouldn't be surprised either. Uh, on the other hand, looking at uh, the Astros against Plesac, I wouldn't be surprised if they string some hits together. Um, they're out three for 11 as a team. Not a big sample size, I know, whatever, grown, deal mm-hmm. with it. Uh, right. But Gurriel, Bregman, Altuve, all one for two. Uh, Bregman and Altuve both have walks. So, I mean, those are some of the better hitters in their lineup. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's not what you want to see. Um, so yeah, a lot of, a lot of inexperience, uh, for us against Garcia and then kind of the opposite for the Astros order. They're going to be way more comfortable their first time through the order. Um, that's for sure. So this is, it's a storyline to watch tonight. Um, do the Astros get out to a quick start on us uh, for that reason? I mean, it's possible. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's very, very possible. Um, but you never know. Yeah. You know, you, you look at the two teams. The Houston's obviously, I'd say, the more complete team. They're obviously the more experienced team. Um, but you know, you we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Uh, I just it's an interesting series. It's it's two teams that are in totally different phases of their development. Um, Houston is obviously win now. Uh, the Guardians, while I do think we have a nice little team, uh, I don't think we're in win now mode. Uh, we're we're a team that's a year or two away uh, from putting things together. Um, so, yeah, two teams in very different stages of their development. Um, so, yeah, it, it could go either way. Um, it, they're a team that's definitely capable of sweeping us. Uh, but this Guardians young team has shown that, like, when they get hot, they can beat anybody. And, yeah. I mean, we've had nights where they score 9, 10, 11, 12 runs. Um, so, yeah, if, if the bats are hot this series uh, and we can get another quality start, like we got the last time uh, out of uh, Police Act, then you know we've got a chance to win tonight. Definitely a chance to win for sure. And you know, with the way this team's gone, they usually have this kind of little low. It's it's up and down. They're a very up and down team. Okay. Yes. Yes. And, and so with how the offense kind of is sputtered, maybe this is the upshoot. <laughs> yeah. You know, to to get them back on on the right track. But uh, Garcia has been. Not so, not so. Didn't have a good last start against Boston. Allowed three runs, five came across the score in four in four innings. Before that, he shut out the Twins. Then he allowed one to the Tigers. So I mean, he seems to be kind of going up and down. Yeah, he seems like he's kind of a guy that's went on a little streaky, if yeah. you will. Uh, um, yeah, but not not terrible numbers, not great numbers. You know, three three five ERA is nice, but only thirty seven innings pitched. Uh, similar to to Plesac, who's only thrown thirty eight and two thirds. Um, yeah, very similar numbers. You know, not they're not too too different. Um, definitely different style pitchers, but you know they're both right handed guys that you know middle of the starting rotation guys. 
I'm just hoping that they get on base early to get him into the stretch so he takes a little less time. Um. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. If we can get on base early, that'll definitely move the game along a little quicker because he's awfully slow out of the lineup. All right, so for this game, uh, this game starts at eight ten. Will this end before or after eleven thirty this evening? After. Okay. Uh, I I just think that there's going to be a lot of. Uh, I feel like there's going to be a lot of runs this game. I don't know why. I think tonight's an overnight. Okay, interesting. Yeah, and I think because of that, we might see three, four guys coming out of the bullpen from each side. Um, so yeah, I, I think it, it's going to take quite a while. I think I, I'm I'm expecting this one to go late. All right, all right. I, I do, too. Because <laughs> the, the pace of Luis Garcia, we know that his start is going to take forever. Just that part of the game alone. Mm-hmm. Even if he only goes five innings, like, those five innings are going to take a long time. Uh, that's where I kind of get the idea that, okay, you know, if, if both these teams put some runs together, then this could be a long night. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Even if they don't score a ton of runs, he's an, he's enough for a, a 30 minute jump in the average game time. Exactly. He's that slow. Uh, you guys will find out tonight. Yeah. So, uh, looking at game two, uh, it is Cal Quantrill versus Framber Valdez on the mound. Uh, Astros like seeing Cal Quantrill apparently. <laughs> yeah. Uh... I don't have the numbers in front of me. What's their lineup look like against Cal? Altuve, two for five. Uh, Chaz McCormick, two for three with a home run. Kyle Ooh. Tucker, one for one. That uh, Jason Castro, 0 for one. Yuli Gurriel, 0 for three. Martin Maldonado, one for two. But, yeah, yeah four so runs guys... driven in. They, they, they hit pretty well. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's the Astros. They hit well against everybody, so, you know, that's not too abnormal. But at the same time, you, you'd like to see better numbers than that. Uh, but, yeah, they, they have seen Cal, and a couple guys really hit him well. Uh, so this is another one that it's going to be a tough game. This is going to be a really tough series for the Guardians, uh, and the pitching matchups are, you know, a lot to do with it. And you look at uh, Framber Valdez. Uh, Jose Ramirez is 2-4 for four with a double. The only other guy at the hits, Yu Chang, one for two. Mm. Uh, Ernie Clement, Austin Hedges, Mercado, Ahmed Rosario, all hitless, combined to go 0 for 10. Not good. Not good at all. Not good at all. Uh, we talked about Quantrill and him having a bounce back game before. Um, Valdez seems to be in a groove. Uh, ever since giving up six runs and a loss to the Angels in April, he has allowed just seven runs in 33 innings good lord yeah he's really been on his last few starts um only a 2.68 era on the year uh 1.26 whip uh 39 k's as well so yeah he's a a guy that can get some strikeouts as well for for what it's worth his last three starts have come against the rangers nationals and tigers uh three of the worst teams in baseball um yeah uh, but very very similar when it, when you look at it from a, a batting perspective, though. Mm-hmm. To the guard, you know, similar lineups to the Guardians. Um, but, yeah, definitely not the best competition that he's been up against, so take that for what it's worth. It's it's definitely worth noting. Uh, yeah, but on the other hand, the, the Guardians just did just play one of those teams and another team just as bad as those, and they lost three or four. So that, Yeah, that's that's why you never know how these things can go. Um, baseball, it's a streaky game, you know. You catch a team at the wrong time, and, you know, they might get the better of you. 
uh, even though they've only got 10 wins on the season like a team like Cincinnati. Yeah, and, and looking to the last game for the pitching matchup, uh, Aaron Savali has never faced the Astros before. That's good. I like that. And I, I, I like Savali getting the chance to go one time through their order, uh, and none of those guys have seen him before. That mm-hmm. that leaves me a little more optimistic because, let's be honest, Savali's numbers this season, not all that great. No. And uh, the starter for Houston in the final game is Christian Javier. Uh, one for three as a team. Fram Reyes with the only hit. Uh, Mercado and Rosario 0 for 2 between the two of them. Yeah. Uh, so, so all three, all three of these pitching matchups, you know, not a lot of production for the Guardians lineup historically against these guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's definitely, definitely a storyline for this series. You know, what, what do the the Guardians bats uh, achieve against these guys? Can they break the trend? Because, I mean, th- that's the third starter we've discussed, and all three of them, you know, very, very similar numbers against mm-hmm. the Guardians. Yeah, and you know, for for the Guardians uh, pitching, what's going to be really important to I guess uh, take note of is are they able to carry over their previous success in their last start into this series against Houston in hostile territory? Because they pitched well at home, sure. I mean, home that's great, but like Houston at Houston, it can be it can be a very uh, I guess loud environment for an opposing team. Yeah, to your point. Uh, pitching at home to the Tigers as opposed to pitching on the road to the Astros, almost two entirely different sports. Yes. That's how that's how drastic it is. Um, so, yeah, while I am a little optimistic because Plesak and Savali and uh, Quantrill their last couple times out had good starts, uh, it, you know, very, very favorable conditions for them. Uh, this will not be as comfortable for them. Uh, because this Houston lineup is legit, and that just from top to bottom, there are guys that threaten you, um, so there will be no reprieve. Whereas that Detroit lineup and that Cincinnati lineup, uh, you know, you get down to the six, seven, eight, nine, you know, spot in their orders, you know, you're kind of getting an inning off when you face those guys, and you do not have that against Houston. You don't. You're gonna have uh, you're gonna have a tough time with, with this one, honestly. Yeah. But I would say a success winning this series against the Astros would be huge, obviously. Um, but you do, you don't want to you don't want to get swept. You know, at least get a win here. Um, I, I would love to win either game one or game two against them. That way, you know, we go into game three and uh, it be the rubber match. But um, they're a really tough team, and we're a really young team. Uh, and like you said, you know, four and six over our last ten games, we haven't been all that great. Uh, so yeah, I, I wouldn't be too surprised if we really struggle this series is what I'm getting at. I'm hoping for one of three, avoid the sweep two or three would be great. Three for three would be fantastic, but give me one of three against Houston. I mean, cause Houston's a really good team. I mean, yeah, if you could go through a season as a young guardians team and, and when you go against these teams that are like contenders, if you could get away with just a win, that's okay. Because then when you face teams like, you know, divisional teams like Kansas City and Detroit, like, you know you're going to pick up some of those wins there. So, like, that's okay. I I have no problem with that kind of approach. And, you know, I I think that's just what they're going to have to do. And, you know, it's it's fine. We'll we'll see what happens, honestly. Right. And next year it's a different story. You know, then it's okay. We're going to Houston. We want to win this series. But this is a development year for us. So, 
uh, it, it's okay to, to kind of set small goals for a young team. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I think that it's reasonable to, to say, okay, let's get one, uh, try our damnedest to get two, but let's at least get one. Yeah. I, I think that's a good starting point. I feel that's a very comfortable starting point. And, you know, be competitive across the board, obviously, but give me a win. Give me one. I think we'll be good. Yeah. Yeah, I think we're on the same page here. Yeah, so I have a trivia question for you. I have one for you as well. Okay. I, I will go first. This one's a tough one. Okay, I have a, a, I have a, a, a multiple choice one for you. So I'm giving you a little bit of an easier one, but we'll, we'll see what this we'll see what happens. Okay. So what four players have hit a home run as a teenager and after turning 40? Oh boy. Four players, teenager and after turning 40. So just one home run as a teenager, one home run after 40 is all they need to qualify. Correct. Okay, I'm going to go old school. Let's see, how long did... Is Babe Ruth one of them? Babe Ruth is not one of them. Okay, Mickey Mantle. No. Okay, let's go more recent. Uh, Ken Griffey Jr. No. You're getting you're getting close. You're getting like to like associates of some of these people, yeah, but you're not yeah. getting the right guys. Damn it. Uh okay. Barry Bonds. Barry Bonds is not one of them. God dang it. I thought he played te in his teens for the Pirates. He must have been a little bit older. Um let's see. Associates of Barry Bonds debuted at 21. 21. Damn it. Uh, Alex Rodriguez. That's one. Okay, so we got one. Um, I want to get at least one more. Let's see. Uh, are these more recent, or is it kind of like spread out? Two, two of the recent guys. You name one of the recent guys. Okay. Recent being 30 years, I guess, if you look at it from that perspective. Um, uh, Hank Aaron. It is not Hank Aaron. Damn it. DiMaggio. Not DiMaggio. Okay. Okay. I give up. Okay. Here, you got one. Kind of impressive. Um, here's the other three. I'll, I'll, I'll start with newest to oldest. Uh, okay. Gary Sheffield. Ah. Uh, Rusty Staub. Okay. And Ty Cobb. One. Okay. Ty Cobb and Gary Sheffield were gettable. I should have got those. But yeah, it, man, not a lot of guys debut as teenagers in the major leagues. It's a really rare thing and that's the part i had the most struggle with like you could think of guys who played past 40 and got home runs but to think of guys that got home runs under 20 was the tricky part for me that's a really good trivia question i like that if juan soto plays long enough he could join that list he has homered as a teenager yeah he's definitely a guy to, to keep on your radar for that um because he's a freak at the mm -hmm. plate um, all right, for you, I have a question a little bit easier this time, but it, I found it interesting. You might know this. You might not. Um, this is – okay, I'm going to give you three guys who all hit for over 3,000 hits, but I want you to order them. Okay. Okay, so all three of these guys over 3,000 hits, you give me the correct order. Derek Jeter, Alex Rodriguez, Willie Mays. Give me one, two, three. 
Ooh. So who would number one be? Who has the most out of that three? I'm going to go with Willie Mays. Incorrect. Really? This, Th- that, I, this question is tricky. It's is a simple but tricky question. Is it Alex Rodriguez? It's not Alex Rodriguez. Are you kidding? Either. Derek Jeter has the most hits between the three of those guys? <laughs> Get this. Derek Jeter has 3,465 <laughs> hits. He leads the group. Uh, so can you get the other two? Uh, I'm going to go Maze and A-Rod. Okay, you got the other two correct. So, yeah, Derek Jeter led the way with 3,465 hits. Uh, Willie Maze came in second, but he only had 3,283. And then Rodriguez came in at under 3,200 at 3,115 hits. That's, uh, so, that's yeah, crazy. Derek Jeter, out of those three, was the hit leader. And I found that really, really shocking. So that's why I chose this question. I thought it was a really eye-opening trivia question. That, that's a very interesting trivia question. That was a, that was a tough one because I, I yeah, really wouldn't have, have guessed that uh, Derek Jeter led all of them with hits. But Yeah, I did not expect that either. I knew he was a 3,000-hit guy, obviously. Mm-hmm. But to think that he had more hits than uh, A-Rod and Mays was shocking to me. Um, a lot of that just has to do with durability and, and how long the guy friggin' played. You know, and It doesn't help doesn't hurt you know the guys that he had batting behind him but yeah I mean, Derek yeah. Jeter the leader uh Willie Mays second Alex Rodriguez third out of that group very very that was a good trivia question I mean obviously I booted it but uh <laughs> <laughs> I have to throw curveballs at you because you're so damn good at it's trivia game yeah so anyways with that uh hopefully the Guardians are able to be competitive against the Astros this evening uh, reminder, like, comment, share, subscribe, uh, rate five stars, tell your friends and family. If you don't, it's stealing. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google, Podchaser, TuneIn, and thisisbelieveland.com. And go Guardians. Go Guardians. Go Guardians.